3: You are listening to The Good News with
4: Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.
3: Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News.
1: Hello, friend. It is Angie Austin in the good news. And if you're not familiar with our program, we've been on for about eight years. And I was in the TV news business for 20. And I was just real tired of, I don't know, was just, I'd cry sometimes in the commercial breaks. I remember saying to my co-anchor, uh, does this ever get to you? And he said, nothing gets to me anymore.
4: Oh,
2: and man. I was
1: like, I Ouch. can't. I can't. I can't go there. Right. I can't go there. So then I was offered a job at CBS in town where my husband worked at a time, a great station. And I told him, you know what? I'm going to start a good news radio show, and I won't make anything. And he's like, uh <clears throat> Uh, you think that's really a good idea, and I'm like, well, you know, hopefully God will bless it. And here we are, eight years later, Woohoo! and I, I feel it's a ministry. I feel that we've given people hope that we Absolutely. deliver a message of hope. And Eric, you've been joining us for a couple of months now, yeah. and I think you were surprised at how hopeful our message was, or pleasantly surprised. You know,
4: uh, sometimes you feel like you're only you're you're all out there alone. And uh, for ten years, I had a, a radio show that's you know focused on the good news in business. And so to see what's going on here, uh, it was just like coming home.
1: Well, I, uh, I am thrilled to have you all here. Good News Gals, Terry Fisher is here out and about in the community. I see her at every charity event I go to. And Jennifer Bishop, my longtime uh, friend, uh, she works in the health industry and producer Dave. And we get together kind of uh, like having coffee with your friends, sharing good news of the world and, uh, uh, you know, just kind of inspiring each other with that message of hope. Now, I've got two hopeful messages for our our first segment of the show today. Gwen Rich, Gwen is uh, with The Rich Solution and her story of hope is a amazing. She's like a one-woman story of hope, battling cancer and really mentoring others at the same time. Welcome Gwen.
5: Welcome. Yes, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so blessed to be here. Oh, I'm so
1: excited to get more of your story because I've heard some of it. Gwen and I became acquainted recently because my co-host, Michael Palk on my other program, has known Gwen and her husband for years. I'm like, well, she's good news. She's got to be on the good news. And then we're going to start the program with a good news story about Trent Shelton. Now, many of these stories don't sound like good news, but it's that turning things around in life and finding the path um, out of the darkness. And in this case, a lot of things were going wrong for this uh, uh, former NFL player.
0: Right, right. And he's uh, he he was drafted. He wanted to be an NFL player since he was five. He made it to the NFL. He was traded to three different teams and, and his career was cut very, very short. And then I'll, personal things, I'll let he, he'll go into detail about them, but a, several personal things happened that made him feel like he was hitting rock bottom. And he just turned it around. He made this He's writing this book now, and he travels around the country teaching people his message of hope.
6: All right, football star Trent Shelton shining on and off the field.
5: After making it to the NFL and playing for teams like the Colts, Seahawks, and Redskins, Trent found his football dreams were cut short. But despite going through hard times, he learned to overcome the pain and is now a motivational speaker and a YouTube sensation.
4: Former NFL wide receiver Trent Shelton now sharing the life lessons he learned along the way in his new book that comes out tomorrow. It is called The Greatest You, and he joins us right now. Trent, good morning to you. Good
6: morning. Thanks for having me on.
4: So you you had the the world by, you know, you you were living your dreams. You were in the NFL, and then you got cut by a bunch of teams, and then you went as far south as you possibly
6: can. Yeah, I mean, that was my identity. I like to tell people, maybe it's not sports view, maybe it's a relationship or a job. And that was my identity since I was five years old. And so when I lost it, I lost my life. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And at my rock bottom, two situations happened. The birth of my son, which mm-hmm. made me really get my life on track, and my college roommate committed suicide. And so oh. seeing one of my best friends, and I was like, I made a promise to him that... I would live my life with purpose for the rest of my life.
5: Such a good message because so many athletes, when they get cut or they don't make it to the NFL or whatever it is, that's been their identity their whole life, right?
6: right. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, that's all that they know. You know, yeah. they, they say student athlete, but it's not the truth. It's athlete student at the end of the day. And, you know, I never worked a nine to five. So, like, after that, what do I do with my life? And so many athletes are lost, but. I want athletes watching this to know that you have skills and you have talent that you can really transfer it into real life.
0: And you did, but you got to take responsibility. You have a few principles you want us to go over. Don't
6: run from your battles. So- yeah, you got to face your battles. I mean, I-, I love to say you'll never win your war by running from your battles. It's about taking responsibility. So many people live life pointing out and saying, it's their fault, it's the NFL's fault, it's my parents' fault. And though that might be true, you're giving that person or that situation power to control your life. When you point the thumb at yourself and say, it's on me, you give yourself power to change.
2: And how do you discover your purpose?
6: This is a great question. A lot of people think that purpose is an external thing. I don't believe purpose is an external thing. I believe purpose is an internal gift. I like to say, I am purpose. The world doesn't have your purpose. People say, search for your purpose, where? The purpose is what you were given at birth. You were created with worth. You were created for a purpose. There's seven billion people. There's only one of you. And when you own that, you can go into any placement, any job, any title, and live your best life.
4: When your life goes south, as yours does, uh, Nat did, naturally, you're angry and you're frustrated. And it's easy to be really negative. But you say you got to eliminate
6: that completely. How do you do that, though? Well, you have to face your truth and you have to look at yourself because negativity is not going to bring you anywhere. I mean, negativity serves no purpose in your life. So I always tell people if it wasn't for my rock bottom, my life wouldn't change. So I changed the definition of pain to power, literally. Like if it wasn't for those situations, I wouldn't be who I am. So the coach that caught you, the agent that left you, you forgive them or you use them as motivation to drive you? I forgive them, because if you don't forgive people that hurt you in your past, and I know it's hard, it's a weight that you're going to carry for the rest of your life. Something I like to say is that, you know, you can move on from the person, but if you never forgive, you'll never move on from the pain. That's why you see so many people 20 years later still hurting people because they've been hurt.
0: So and you set we- up a six-week course, right?
6: Yeah. Yep. So a six-week course to, to, to pull you through, it's really about overloving yourself. And it brings you to a process of how to love yourself, what does that mean, how to forgive and everything like you that. Know,
5: I believe that God loves everyone. We're all his children. And yeah. sometimes he takes us on a different course that's not what we plan just to teach us something. And look at your life now. You thought this was your course, but he turns <laughs> you a little bit. But aren't you so grateful?
6: There's always a greater purpose for your life. One quote I love to say is God will allow you to go through places you don't understand just to bring you to the place where he needs you to be.
1: Love that again. That was just a you know message of hope from Trent Shelton, uh, the book The Greatest You. And interestingly enough, Gwen Rich, your book is Stop Complaining, Make Your Own <laughs> Luck. Um, Gwen Rich and Adam Rich, welcome, Gwen. Uh, let's get Thank into you. your story. Uh, and I want the the Good News team to join in as well. But uh, my understanding is that you were given um, basically incurable breast cancer diagnosis, and you now are delivering this message of hope through your own faith and prayer and healthy lifestyle, helping others in the midst of your own journey. So tell us about that.
5: Yes, um, it's so amazing. I'm hearing his story, and there's just so many parallels. There's so many things that I'm seeing that are consistent. And that's about purpose, it's about community, it's about being blessed, it's about faith. I God disrupted my destiny. So uh, 2012, uh, November 6th on Tuesday evening, I got that definitive diagnosis, incurable breast cancer. Um, and God disrupted my destiny. I used to help women as an image consultant, which I thought was very fulfilling. But if you hear my story where I was misdiagnosed for eight years, by eight different doctors, and then eight years of mammograms that did not detect my cancer. What? You have to know that my faith plays a huge role in where I was when I was diagnosed. I called it a blessing, and I believe I am doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. How is it that over eight years, you can say 16 different doctors did not see my cancer on my MRI? That is mind-blowing. Right? Why? I, I'm stunned by that. Did you ever
1: have any pain or symptoms or anything? And this is Terry, um, Gwen. So did you ever have any pain or
2: symptoms in that eight years to, to make oh, you yeah. think eight that something wasn't the right? the
5: first year I had really bad back pain. And that's what they did, the MRI, and they misdiagnosed misdiagn- me as having um, spinal stenosis. Wow, and so wow. for those eight years, I did everything short of surgery to get better, to try to be pa- pa- pain-free. But in actuality, all I kept doing was getting worse, and no doctor seemed to understand that. They, they minimized uh, what was going on. They made me feel like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last doctor, two months before I was diagnosed, suggested that I try yoga. And that's not a joke.
4: Gwen, uh, this this is Eric. i got a question for you. I know
5: yoga has a lot of healing properties, but that was not going to help me with a cancer diagnosis, which I didn't know I had.
4: Absolutely. Gwen, Eric, uh, with a question. You know, when we listened to the little segment on Trent Shelton, he said, I learned to change my position from pain to power. Did you go through a period of time with all these misdiagnoses and, and so on, that you just kind of resented the doctors? And if so, how did you turn that around?
5: Um, I think because those eight years, that was it was a learning period for me. That was the most painful part: is mm-hmm. not feeling heard. The doctors didn't believe me, um, and I believe again going back to my faith and where I am, where I was at the time, I was okay with my diagnosis. Honestly, I feel that this is where I'm supposed to be and that I have made the choices to move forward, not knowing really what to do, but doing the best of my ability. And one of them, of course, is not to complain, um, which is not really in my playbook. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's where I was. Faith plays a huge part of that. And I just really felt that my story could really help others. And what I'm doing, this is like groundbreaking... Um, things that I am doing that can help the next generation. And we need good role models to help the next generation because we are entering a territory. The proof is in the pudding with the population where we have so many problems, so many health issues, and our younger kids are facing them. And It's just crazy. We've got to stop doing what we're doing. It's not working.
1: It's not working, so I want to talk about what is working. Uh, You talk about faith and prayer, but you also put into your day-to-day life a lot of healthy practices, and you mentor people. I mean, when I look at... Your website, and I see uh, your book, which, as we mentioned, is uh, Stop Complaining, Make Your Own Luck. And then your uh, line of supplements, which you've highly researched and gotten the best things that you can to help people with their health. The way you live, you help other cancer patients, uh, you do radio yourself. Um, I see the Spoonie link here for Spoonie Radio, is it, that you do? And you're so you're constantly, through social media and other venues, uh, giving this message of hope to others. And you were diagnosed. Diagnosed with incurable cancer in 2012, long after you'd already felt all the pain. So you're living many years after you were diagnosed. So what's what's the secret? What's the recipe? What's the roadmap to get where you know to have your kind of health after a diagnosis like that?
5: Right. Um, The good news is there there are a number of things that everyone needs to do, starting with your diet, which of course nobody wants to hear. Your mental attitude, exercise, sleep stress, your environmental toxins, community, faith, and emotional health. But I think the most important thing, even going back to your other guests, is I found my purpose. Uh. Prior to being diagnosed, you could say from an outward look that I had everything that I needed. I had my husband, my four children, and I was working with women with what I love to do. But I felt like I was missing something. And so then all of a sudden I got my diagnosis and I felt really this was my purpose. And I can tell you, I even said this to my husband maybe about a week ago, I have never been happier in my life. Wow. And it's doing what I'm doing. I wake up every day with a purpose and I know I'm making a difference. Mm. And you know that a lot of people hate what they do every day and they cannot say that.
2: Wow. Gwen, this is Jennifer, and oh my gosh, I, you know, more than anything, I can hear it in your voice, like you live on purpose, like that is what you're, you're calling, what God's calling you to do, and I I can so, so relate, um, my now ex was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease uh, back in 2001, and has a complete shift, so you and I can talk about that, um, but You know what? It's a mantra. It's a, you know, once we started a nonprofit and things like that, that was the purpose. That's, you know, if you don't live on purpose, that's where you perish. We all perish. So I love what you're doing. I can't wait to get the book and read it. I'm super excited. So thank you. Oh,
1: Oh, and hey, Gwen, while we're talking about that, let's mention Gwen's website, too, because she set up a code for us, Mm -hmm. too. So, again, we're interviewing Gwen about her story. But if you want to go to therichsolution.com, therichsolution.com, if you check out, you put in my co-anchor on the other show. His name is Mike. And so if you put in Mike's name, because you know Angie, Angela, too much. Mike. It's very simple. (laughs) Mike. How do you spell that? M-I-K-E, Mike. Thank you yeah, so that's that's the code to get a discount if you want to go on and there uh, Gwen's got a purse line, she's got her book, she's got uh, you know the health plan. So okay, well, so you mentioned all these things faith and diet, mental uh, attitude, exercise, sleep, stress, you know, a purpose in life, and that now you have a purpose. You got this diagnosis of cancer, incurable, breast cancer in 2012. and here you are all these years later saying you've never been happier. Well, how did you get there?
5: Well, the first thing I did the first day uh, I found out about my diagnosis, I told my doctor, okay, I'm cutting out sugar from this day forward. Now, prior to this, I had already removed gluten and dairy, um, and this was because of my years of research, because I had a couple kids with health issues. So I found out about that is something that you should remove from your diet if you want to have optimal health. So for me to remove sugar, that was probably the hardest, but not a big deal knowing that the sugar which is glucose feeds right into the cancer. So that was
1: the yes. first step. Yes. Yes. Okay. Step
5: of many. Okay, first yes. step
1: get rid of sugar because that feeds right into the cancer, but it certainly also feeds inflammation in your body which is not healthy for anyone. So, yes, it's hard right. to cut out, but there are Do you I, and just for my own selfish reasons, you know, I just made something yesterday with um a maple syrup. Do you use other forms of sugar or is that not uh, is it like anything sweet?
5: Yeah, I actually don't, but if you're going to, maple syrup in small doses is fine. Uh, You can use molasses in small doses, as well as, you know, if you want to sweeten something like your coffee, you can do organic stivia. But again, small doses, because something like stevia is actually so concentrated, it's not a one-for-one. Okay. So... Yeah. But okay. here's what I do. So when I work with people, whether it's in a webinar setting or one-on-one, I always have them make a list of what are some of the changes that you're struggling with? What are some of the changes that you think you need to make? And then number one, two, however many you have, one being the easiest. And then start today. I don't care what it is. No more excuses because That's the one thing I learned. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. I can't do that. I don't have the luxury. I don't know how much time I have left. But what can you do today? So, for example, any of you there, what is something that you're struggling with that's easy that you need to work on? Give me an example. Well,
1: I need to drink more water, and I know (laughs) Eric's in in a— we Wait. don't have time for that. No, we don't have. He's in a, weight, he's in, he's in a health journey and he's losing weight. Well, you know, it,
4: it, it, it's true. That's great. But, Gwen, here's the thing. You just said, you know, you don't know how much time you have left. And I read a statistic in yesterday's newspaper that says one out of every one dies. Yeah. So none of us Nobody know knows. how much Nobody time knows. we have.
2: So we should all be no you excuses. Know, honoring this body, this temple that we have, right? Do you have
1: any, like, Big plans to do like something on a bucket list that's important for you during your journey right now?
5: No, because to me that's not important. The, the other thing is when you go through something like this, you have to find out what your why is. And so after I was diagnosed, my why I mean, why would I want to continue? Why would I want to fight something that I know is inevitable? And that's because I have four children and a husband. And I want to see my kids go through those normal life cycle events. I want to see them finish college. I want to see them get married, have kids, go to the weddings. Everything that people take for granted, even everyday mundane things. I don't want my parents to have to uh, bury their daughter. And so these things and having a purpose. I didn't want to leave this earth not leaving something. That was really important. So, again, it goes back to purpose. But what is your why? So everyone needs to figure that out so that when you try to make those changes and you struggle, you go back to your why. If your why is big enough and you know what it is, then it will help you get through that. Life is not perfect. You won't be perfect. Everybody has problems, some more than others, but it will help you get through that.
1: I love that. What is your why? Because, you know, I'm an older mom and my kids are in elementary and middle school and my daughter, I walk five to like nine miles a day, mostly five. And uh, my daughter's like, are you going to be one of those grandmas who's a hiker? I said, well, that's the plan. That's the plan. Because <laughs> you know, my mom has always had difficulty with walking and her health because of her weight. So I've kind of used that as like, I don't want to be that, you know, to have those issues when I'm older. You mentioned what can we do today? Okay, so I need to drink more water and I want to step up my walking. So then uh, that, then what? Then where do you uh, take your, uh, your mentoring clients?
5: Well, it's, it's a process, but even with the water, I mean, I would make sure, and, and that's a great one because it's, it seems so simple, right? But how many people aren't doing it? The majority of Americans are not getting enough water, and your body needs that, to function to be able to flush out the toxins. So that until you get that down pat, I wouldn't move on to the next one because that's what we do as Americans. We want that quick fix. Yes. We think that if we rush, 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 we're going to be able to do it. But let's say you even change four things one week at a time at the end of a month. That adds up to so much. And if you just continue to do it as a lifestyle change instead of, oh, I'm on this new diet or this new trend, yeah, you will make such huge strides. And this is nothing new. They do this with business as well because they know you cannot tackle problems with big steps.
1: All right, Gwen. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start following some of Gwen's advice. And if you want to work with Gwen, uh, be mentored by Gwen, check out her website and her supplements that are highly researched and top of the line. The TheRichSolution.com. The code for your discount is Mike. the TheRichSolution.com. And Gwen, we'll have you back. And Gwen's book, by the way, again, stop complaining, make your own luck. What do you think, guys? Good. Love it. Uh, Love your- uh,
2: thank you, Gwen.
1: Thank you, Gwen. Thank you,
5: Good News, too. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bless. Thank you. Bless you.
1: We'll
5: be right
2: back. The good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver.
1: And arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. Arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose.
5: I love
2: arc.
0: Well, hello, 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 friends. Welcome back to the good news. This is producer Dave, and I'm here with my next installment in my wonderful author interview series that i've been doing um it's been a little bit but um luckily this is this is actually pretty cool because this is my first part 2 uh i've spoke with this author michael grady uh, a few months back about his book making god part of uh, making God part of your family. Um, and he he gave us some really good insight about ways that you can incorporate God in into your everyday life in your family. and And he also kind of talked about what's going on in America as far as who's reading the Bible and why so few people are reading the Bible now, despite the fact that they all think that it is still important to learn the lessons in the Bible. But today we're going to be talking to Michael Grady about part two of making God, part of your family, and I'm really excited to talk about this because this delves a little bit deeper into it, and uh, it, it kind of talks about this whole phenomenon, about how even though it, there's, it's kind of split, even though people are... Uh, still think the Bible is important to themselves. They're not reading it. And then the other side, there's a lot of people who just look at the Bible as like um, this series of maybe parables and stories that don't really have things to do with their life. And this book is going to delve into that. And Michael Grady is now here to talk to us about his book and how we can kind of fix some of these problems. Hello. How are you today, Michael?
7: Good day. Uh, nice to speak to you again. I look forward to it. Great, yeah, it's so, great to have you on the show. subject for me.
0: It sure is, it sure is. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So um, you say in your book that people still believe the Bible is important, but they're not reading it. Can you kind of delve us into that a little bit, and what is that about?
7: Yeah, I, I believe that they think it's important. Uh, You go to Sunday school class and they talk about it, but when it gets down to it, everybody's distracted. There's too many things going on in today's world. But when I've had the consistent uh, Mm -hmm. thought from everybody is that it's too hard to understand. It's boring, and the Old Testament's not relevant. And I just believe that that's where I'm trying to change that concept with my book to help people bring the Bible into them and a little easier to understand. Uh, make it more engaging so they don't say that it's boring. And then there's so many things that are relevant, both to our daily lives and to our eternity, that are pointed out even in these Old Testament Scriptures. As you mentioned, people do call them parables, but the parables are the way Jesus taught. And I believe these stories are really parables. Well, I think they're history. I think that God's chosen certain stories to be... um, brought out for us to help us both in our daily lives and to point out that everything was directed toward the coming of Jesus. Once once Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit, uh, God provided a way uh, of redemption to, to bring people back to, to God, and we need that. And each of those stories point out both the good things they do and the bad things they do point us to how uh, we can change that in our daily lives and how we can look to Jesus for our, our final victory.
0: So and you think yeah. that within that relevance, within our daily lives, well, you know, because it is kind of difficult to understand. It's kind of difficult to see how the teachings in the Bibles can play a part in our daily lives every day. And you think that's what that relevance there. You can not only help oh, us yeah. make that connection, but that's why the Bible is more than just stories.
7: Uh, it, absolutely. I, when I was seventeen years old, my mother. Uh, said, Michael, you've learned to read the Bible every day, now it's time to study it. And she uh, gave me a book by M.R. DeHaan that was Portraits of Christ in Genesis. He has founded the Radio Bible Classes now, the Daily Bread Ministries. And he just opened my eyes to point out how each of those stories point out how relevant they are to to us, uh, how Jesus is in those stories, how he was... um, the, uh, the obvious one is when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac, just as God was one go- one day going to do. But each of the stories are filtered. So in while the history of actually Abraham and Isaac is there, more importantly is that it was God was there pointing to what his plan was, not only for Abraham and Isaac, but for all of mankind. Not just the Jews, but for all of mankind. And each And I try... My goal is is to take each of these stories and bring them down into about a 10- to 15-minute read and make it engaging, conversational, so that the family can read it together or if you're reading it on your own, you can ask yourself the questions as you're reading. And then at the end of each story, I have discussion questions that reinforce it and try to bring to life additional questions that they may need to think about. Um, but also, I believe the Old and New Testament were all one plan for God, and so I use and within the stories, I point out how that relates to the old the New Testament, and I put keys there on little numbers there, so at the end of each chapter i 've given all the scripture references that I use to help tie the Old and New Testament together to try to to try to bring it all together for us to make it relevant to make it understanding. I think a lot of people see the New Testament as giving guides to living that Jesus gave. But if you go back in those Old Testament stories and see them put in real life action, it makes a difference. Because, you know, people back then are no different than people today. We still are jealous. We still have favorites. We still have problems. We still do the wrong thing. And this helps us to understand better how to live the life. Uh, here on Earth, and that's that's what I've continued with my Volume Two. Uh,
0: I love that. I love uh, that volume. idea that that we we tend to forget that we're not just still humans, and that we still have we're still fallible, and we still have all these, and we're still sinners, and we still have all these problems, and we you know we jealous and greedy, and like you said, we have all those things, and we tend to feel like, and I I I think that the, a lot of these stories, especially particularly like you said, the Old Testament stories, can really help us connect. That you know, there is still a, that connection that we're still the same people, and I love that idea. I, and the, the, I also love that um, you use the sh- how you take the stories and kind of compact them and make them easy. And that's like a really good way to help communicate the relevancy to even children.
7: Absolutely, I, that that's kind of one of my hooks in in the story we may have talked about last time is that I wrote it on an adult level because the adults don't know the Bible either, and they need to know it. Right. And I wanted it for them, but I know that uh, an 8- to 12-year-old uh, can understand it, but it takes the parents to read it to them and talk to them about it, which is my hook. Um, I know they can, because I've been teaching 8- to 12-year-olds for 35 years and adults. So I know an 8- to 12-year-old can understand it if you take the time to go over it with them, which I think means you're spending time together with the family an important time, and maybe even anticipating problems that may come up and maybe haven't come up. Sometimes there may be problems that they know are problems in the family right then, but it may even be better if you've addressed the problem before it happens, and then when it comes up, you, you know better how to, to deal with it with the family. And, and I just, uh, so that you're getting a chance to get to know each other better, spend time together, but also getting to know God's Word together. And I really think that would change America, and if that that concept would come through, that people would start reading the Bible together. That's great. And I, I, help.
0: I also think uh, that was going to be my next question. Great segue. I was going to say, what are some of the things that your own children and the only children that you have taught, uh, what are some things that you have noticed uh, from the process of studying the Bible together that maybe is different from studying on your own?
7: It is. I, I, I'm a little bit older than I have grandchildren, and I was writing this book, uh, and some of it were different ages of my grandchildren, and it's been a wonderful experience to be able with the Bible reading. Each story is about 10 to 15 minutes, but if you talk it, it's 30 to 45 minutes. That's what I did with my 9 to 11, when she was 9, all the way to 11-year-old, when I was writing the first volume. Uh, and now with my 8- and 12-year-old grandchildren, I'm reading with them, and it gives us a chance just to connect and me to give a chance to bring up subjects that you do, that you wouldn't normally be able to bring up, but the story naturally brings it up, right. so you're able to to share it. I'll give you one instance that I thought was tremendous, and I actually used it in my second volume as a personal experience, that my granddaughter, um, it was the last story in volume one, that she and I were reading it together, and I asked her to read it for the first time. I read all the rest of it. She was about 11 years old. I said, well, you read it. And she was reading the story where Moses was meek. And I was explaining that the definition of meek is not weakness like the world thinks, but it's being disciplined under God's control. And when I brought up the subject about being under God's control, she said, Papa, that's scary. Wow, what a what a revelation for an 11-year-old to understand. It is too scary to give somebody else control of your life. And I think that's why we have a hard time doing it. But it gave me a wonderful opportunity to discuss that with her. She's still, she's 16 years old this month, and she still hasn't come to that conclusion. She's willing to turn it over to God. But I can't, but it is a one, what a wonderful time to be able to go through her and with her. And they're just, that's just one example. That's a great of, of story. how it, how you can begin to uh, discuss it together. Right,
0: right. That's a great story. So this is producer Dave. You're listening to the Good News with Angie Austin. I'm here uh, in my next installment of my author interview series. I'm sitting with uh, Michael uh, Michael Grady. I us call you something else, Michael Grady, talking about his book, Making God Part of Your Family. You're giving us some really good tips, Michael, and you actually um, mentioned something. Now that your your granddaughter, I believe, uh, is 16 now. And, uh, that's gotta be a challenge in itself. You said that, you know, I'll bet you the eight to 12 year olds, there's different challenges than maybe a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old trying to get them to be part of your family and do the family get togethers. Um, would any advice on how to get that them inspired and maybe excited for that?
7: It, that is probably the most difficult task. But if you ever get them to read it and get interested in it, it's amazing how they, they have... I, that was my biggest surprise. Actually, 18 to, to 25-year-olds were reading it and saying, finally, I get what the Old Testament is about. But getting them to read is difficult. What I like to do is you have younger children in the family is let the teenagers read it to the and try to explain it to the younger child, try to get them engaged. Sometimes I think you might... Uh, that's a good idea. See if they'll read it on their own, and then bring together around the supper table to, or or in the car together, just to bring up the subject and bring up questions that that you have. I think you have to pre-plan it better with teenagers, eight to twelve. Boy, if you read to them, I just think they'd love that. And, right. But a, a fifteen, sixteen-year-old, they don't have time for you. Yeah, they and don't. So <laughs> I think you have. To, you know, so you have to have. I think you have to be better prepared by reading the story ahead of time and maybe bringing up some of the questions and some of the things that they may have an interest in. Uh, it is a challenge, uh, but I do believe that uh, given if, you, if you've done it, the the better thing is, is that you started when they're 8 to 12 or even younger, they may be a chance of teenagers, but if you're just starting out at teenagers, you're going to have to do, I don't mean tricks, but tricks of the trade, I guess, is right. the way to put it, to, to try to get them to stimulate their interest and to, to encourage them. Uh, and challenge them to, to read part of it. And maybe you pick out a story or two. Instead of every story, you pick out a story that's particularly relevant. There's some stories in there that are soap opera-like. Right. Teenagers might like that. But you got to uh, do your God.
0: homework first before you give them homework, yeah. because otherwise they're going to be able to call, put, hold your feet to the fire in there, because t- teenagers yeah, so I, are great at that. I, it, <laughs>
7: And it is, and it's harder. Uh, so it's a more difficult challenge, but but I think it's well worth the effort if the parents would take the time. And I think there would be a better relationship among the teenagers and the parents, and less of an age gap if they took time to understand each other. Together. And I think some of these stories are are, are really would be helpful. I think Joseph the Coat of Many Colors is a wonderful example of how brothers can't get along.
0: Right. And right, how,
7: right. And how and how. God teaches us how not to react and how to react in that story. Uh, it, it's just amazing how um, Joseph may have been a little bit haughty at first, but uh, he got humbled pretty fast when he was a slave.
2: Right. So and speaking he of. he
7: didn't argue or complain.
0: So speaking of uh, specific examples, like uh, the Code of Many Colors, um, there's a lot of critics these days to the Bible, and a lot of people saying that it's not reliable, or it's not accurate, or it's not true, or it's not relevant. And then there's also people who maybe have never been to church and don't really understand or think that it's outdated or something. How can you use, I mean, this kind of one thing that you do really, really well in the book is kind of use specific stories like that to kind of... Uh, dissuade or even, you know, um, change the opinion of people who never would have considered it before?
7: You know, there are a couple things in the Bible that I can't explain, and why it seems to be inconsistent. But I found over the years, the more I look and more I read, the more consistent it is. It's amazing how many things tie together. Uh, I love the story of the Passover, because that was an event God had to allow the people to leave slavery out of Egypt, uh, but at the same time, it was predicting uh, that the, the Jesus was one way going to die on the cross for us. I mean, this angel of death that comes through the town, and the only way you are saved is having the blood of the Lamb uh, on your doorpost. And isn't that a beautiful picture of if the angel of death will pass over us, if we've accepted the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, not the Lamb, but Jesus is per- portrayed as the Lamb... And God goes into such depth to be able to explain that in that uh, when they were given those uh, procedures of how to go about that night, they were told to sacrifice the lamb, but they weren't supposed to break any bones. And of that lamb, and wasn't that amazing? Fifteen hundred years later, on the cross, Jesus' bones were not broken to fulfill that prophecy. Jesus wasn't in control of that; he could have made that one up it was the romans who decided not to break his bones not jesus but that was god telling us and when those things come alive it was we we absolutely know that moses wrote that many 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 years before that prophecy came true and that's just one of so many that point us to say wow this couldn't have been just made up this had to be something that was real uh and and i i think it helps it become alive and that's what i try to do i think that's my goal is to is to show people to point that out because sometimes you don't have that ability to do that when you're reading in the story of abraham abraham's uh god tells abraham to go to the land of moriah well that doesn't mean anything to us but i can help point out that when uh solomon was building the temple he thought he said the land of moriah was jerusalem isn't that wonderful you don't read that the first time out, but God told Abraham to go three-day travel from where he lived to a place called Jerusalem, where Jesus would, where he was going to offer his son Isaac on the cross. That's 20, incredible. Two thousand years later,
0: it's funny because I've always said people say there's inconsistencies in the Bible. I always say, well, it's written by many different people over a span of a long time. It was been edited several times, and so there's bound to like things like that to happen. But that's Crazy that the more you read it, the more you study, it, the more you, there aren't any of those inconsistencies. They all keep showing back up and tying back in, and everything was there for a reason. Like it, it is.
7: It,
0: go, oh, please go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. It,
7: well, I was just going to say, it is interesting. Uh, at volume two is now out. Um, it'll be in the bookstores uh, this um, this summer. You can get it on my website, which is michaelgrady.org. dot org. You can buy it there. I do have the books. But, and in volume one or volume two. But it's interesting when I was writing volume two and giving it through and asking some, some of my Bible study to give me test responses to it and some of my twenty year olds that had commented favorably on the first book, they said, Michael, do you realize how much deeper volume two is? And I had from my perspective, I had just used the same concept is let's tell the story, point out how relevant it is, and make it engaging and easier to understand, I didn't realize it was more difficult until I started thinking about it, and the stories are more difficult, and that's God's plan. Right, as we right. grow in Christ, as we grow through the study of Word, if you start with Genesis and you go, they do get more difficult, they do get more difficult circumstances, and so we need them. Right. And well, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting how, how that came about. It was God that designed that rather
0: than me. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I'm thankful that God is working through you to help the Bible a more accessible to everybody, to show us all new ways to incorporate our family and the Bible all together and do it all together as a family, and that really helps. We've been talking to Michael Grady about making God a part of your family. Go get it. It's on Amazon. It's at his website. Thank you, Michael, for being here again. We'll talk to you again soon.
3: Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. YMCA of the Rockies in Estes Park is an ideal family vacation. Come visit and be inspired by our surroundings. At YMCA of the Rockies, you can fill your days and nights with our fun, family-friendly programs and activities. This summer, YMCA has tons of fun and excitement planned for your family, and soon you can bring the entire family when we introduce our new dog park and dog-friendly activities. Whether you are looking for a harrowing adventure or just a relaxing stroll near Rocky Mountain National Park, YMCA can set you on your way. YMCA of the Rockies is the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to YMCArockies.org. Fill your next family vacation with fun, exciting and affordable adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Go to ymcarockies.org to book your stay today
0: hello hello this is producer dave thank you welcome back to the good news with angie austin and uh, today i want to talk to you uh so we have a very special friend that's been on the show a lot lately and it's so cool having him on here it's nice to have him on my side a little bit because i'm if you can get a little outnumbered here, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, but not that we don't have a great group of wonderful ladies. But it's nice to have another man in here. We and, um, are
4: the good news gals. We
0: are. I'm, <laughs> I I do consider myself one of the good news gals. Absolutely, you darn Absolutely. well better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and, uh, so this is producer Dave. I'm sitting here today with Eric Raymer. Um, he's back on the show today, and we're gonna talk a little bit about PR Media Coach, which we've heard the name, we've heard the buzz a little bit. We did. We talked a little bit about, but I want I have some questions because <laughs> I've started my own business and I. I'd like to know something you could do for me and perhaps another listener out there that could help. And then today we have Mimi.
2: Oh, yay! Our so very good wonderful to be back. Michelle
0: Ron is back. Thank you. Back, back. Right.
2: Thank you. Back.
0: She's a snowbird. And so now am. that we've thawed out, she'll be back. But thank you for being here. Traffic
1: there. is better in Florida okay. now.
0: Oh, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So, PR media coach, Eric. Uh, so, um, as a small business owner, What's something that PR Media Coach could do? Well,
4: thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, As a small business owner, I think you need three things. And I've spent the last 10 years, 11 years now, uh, sharing with entrepreneurs, small business owners, solopreneurs, and helping them accelerate their growth because that's what they're really after. They're they're, they're looking to accelerate, right, to get to whatever they call the, the, the finish line faster. You need three things. The first thing is you need consistent content, right? People need to, uh, to to put out content that establishes you as the expert in your arena. Doesn't mean you're the best. Doesn't mean you're the only. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the so, only. You have to be their favorite.
0: Are you kind of saying, too, like, let's say I'm a plumber. Yeah. Do I need a really strong media presence in order to be the best plumber even though even though I really am the best plumber?
4: All you have to do to answer that question is listen to the radio or turn on the television and see. Do plumbers advertise? Hmm. They do.
5: They do. Yeah, absolutely. So the
4: answer is yes. You do need media. Content is critical, but it's content that establishes you first First tip of mind, right? The uh, tip of tongue, top of mind, first one they think of when the, the audience needs something. Second of all, you need, you're need you probably going to need some design, right? You probably need somebody to come in and say... So you do all that? I, I do. I create a, a website for you or some multiple websites for you. I create uh, the, the back end uh, so that you can get in and, and take care of your own business on your own terms. And I can create any of the other things such as creating an online course for you or, or whatnot.
0: So, and that's a really difficult thing to do, especially that whole uh, um, uh, designing the whole... It, we- it website can be. can be very very difficult. You know, Plus if, if you make cookies, Dave, yeah? th-
4: then you know you know how to make cookies, but you probably don't know how to make a website.
0: Exactly. And it's hard. I've tried to make it one before and it's not easy. I can um, make Even the from website. the build-up. Build up plate. That's that's awesome. So I that's can, another reason. Yep. But see and so it, I I want to get to something though in within the website that yep. I think that you probably help people with. It's a scary word, the A word analytics yeah is that something that you can show me build my website and tell me what all those little graphs not mean?
4: only that I can manage it for you and make sure that they're going on an upward trend which is what we're always looking for you want to make sure that more people are seeing you today than saw you yesterday you wanna make sure that you're engaging with that audience much more than, than you know, it's much more important than uh, uh, just having a website as a brochure you know if you build it they won't come because you could be the best at what you do and if you don't, uh, if nobody knows about you, they won't come. Which leads me to the third thing that you absolutely need, and that is results. And that's right. the thing that, that separates the men from the boys. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody out there who's who's <laughs> saying, you know, look, buy my stuff. I'm not saying buy my stuff. I'm saying you want results, and I know how to get them. I've been doing it for 11 years.
0: That's great. awesome. Yes. And great. I mean, I, I believe you. And I think that's something that people really need to pay attention to is that Eric does stuff for your business that not only you don't understand and don't know how to do, but he understands better than most. Absolutely. And it's stuff that he can use, <laughs> tools that you can use that, you, that are, you already have, that you can learn how to use, that Eric can show you how to make your business better. You
4: know, you're great at what you do. Now let's tell everybody else.
0: Exactly. That's great advice. That's PRmediacoach.com. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, PRMediaCoach.com. If you ever have any questions about anybody on the show or if you want to talk to me or if you want to reach out to Angie or any of the good news gals, please just go to uh, AngieAustinRadio.com and reach out to us there. Thank you. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.
3: Thanks for
4: listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.